0: Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. All
1: right, movies, yay! Actually, let's talk about horror movies. All right. Because that's what we're here for, right? Yeah. Before we get into the good stuff, can we start talking about the good stuff, the other good stuff, which is what was one of your first or earliest horror movies? We'll just set the scene. You need to set the scene, right? You can't just go right into
2: the killing (laughs) right away. So we need to set the scene. Uh, The first one that had a real impact on me was Poltergeist. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and I and what, what really hit me about that one is that it was scary, but no one dies in it. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was kind of and, and my uh, my dad's kid brother pointed that out to me. I said, "Wow, I couldn't I couldn't believe you could be scared by something and then actually no one died in it." Yeah, so it still had that kind of intensity. And I think just that kind of mix of like you've got Toby Hooper's sensibility mixed with Steven Spielberg's, and so the whole thing of like so and and it was so relatable that I was about the kid's age of the boy. With the clown doll and the tree and everything, and so I was, uh, I really related to that kid. I, I really felt like, and even in fact, the little girl in it looked a lot like my middle sister, like the like, <laughs> the long blonde hair and everything. Yeah. So yeah, that's some those, good night terrors. There's some the night terrors there. So that so that whole thing like that too probably had a, that that probably had a real impact on me back then that was the first one and that's a good one yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. classic yeah
1: the sequels unfortunately after that kind of they lose the did, residence yeah. And yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so i was yeah i was not on board with any of that <laughs> one yeah. yeah.
1: and you
0: jen uh, you, i don't know if you even know this movie kelly hmm. I, I have no idea where it went from but when i first horror movies i was way too young to watch it i think it was called boogeyman
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And
0: this, there was a bunch of kids that got you know scared by the boogeyman, and the at the end of it, they sucked him up into a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> mm. I have no idea what that movie is. I've never seen it since, but it scarred me for life. Wow. Yeah.
1: Are you are you comfortable <laughs> around vacuum cleaners as no, well, or like no. that also just terrifies you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Some um. good like night terrors and vacuum terrors. Now I know. Now I know what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: So we're talking about horror movies because you guys are part of the uh, admin team and founders of Blood in the Snow Film Festival. (laughs) Yay! So that's exciting. Can you just introduce yourselves? We'll start with you, Jen, and just kind of tell us the magic that you do for Blood in the Snow.
0: Sure. Uh, I'm Jen Gorman. I am the festival coordinator uh, and, I guess, industry coordinator for the festival. I came on board in year two, uh, so Kelly's really the number one guy. But, yeah, I, I kind of handle a lot of the industry stuff, PR stuff. Admin stuff,
2: Hmm. yeah. (laughs) I mean, we were, uh, and and, you know, and I'm Kelly Michael Stewart. I'm the festival director and founder. But as Jen's saying, yeah, we wear a lot of different hats. I mean, we're 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 growing, but we're grassroots (laughs) organization. So it's it's the titles are always a funny thing because it's (laughs) like because it really it's just kind of a catch-all because we do so many different aspects of it. I mean, I even do the layout for the program booklet. I mean, I was just on the way here. I was designing the little tent cards that are going to be on an industry day that you put on the table for all the guests, the panel guests we have, like those little tiny little details like that. We And, and everyone on our team is like that. We have all the people doing different aspects of it. We Our senior programmer, Kirk Haviland, he helps with their with our media day and does that and and then one of our programmers helps with some of the admin stuff and we we are we're we're very grassroots that way (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. but that kind of mirrors
1: independent film too yeah it does right uh you know i mean Mm. like the guy might just be producer but he might run craft services one day or something like just everyone kind of pitches in
2: well jen that's the interesting thing about jen and i that's actually where we come from as well is that we're as well as running this together we uh, we also are, are film producers. We've, re- we've produced a feature film called Late Night Double Feature. Uh, we've produced a few TV shows. Um, so we've we, so there's actually a lot of parallels to running a film festival oh, yes. with, with, with running a movie. In fact, actually, comparatively, I will say um, running the festival is a walk in the park compared to making a movie. 100%. Like oh. oh, yeah. 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 So we very, we're very empathetic to... <laughs> I think that's why I think we're pretty good at what we do for running a film festival because... They, uh, the, the feedback we constantly get from filmmakers is like, oh, wow, you get it, you get, you know, this is when they, we have filmmakers fly from all over the country and every single one of them tells me, oh, Kelly, it was it was worth it. It was totally worth it. I'm, I'm going to come and i to come again. I got filmmakers coming this year that aren't even playing the festival and they're coming in from Montreal and Vancouver and all over the place. And and, and I think it's because Jen and I, we, we've done because we, we're in the industry, we, we know everyone in the industry and so we kind of know what they have to go through like we know what it's like to finish the film go to a different city and premiere your film and what that experience is like both good and bad mm-hmm. and so we're really looking at it from that perspective not so not just the Yes, there's the fan perspective. There's that, uh, but we're also very much looking at it from like what's what's gonna be really good for them. Um, yeah, it's a lot to juggle
1: too, and your genre as well, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. you have a different set of fan criteria and what they're looking for as oh, yes. well. Yeah. Right? And so that brings its own set of challenges. So when yeah. you're getting reviewing submissions now, Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? Are you looking for, like, something original, like a uh, point of view, a direct, like, uh, a, a new voice? What are you looking for when you're, like, trying to decide what's going to make the festival this year?
2: If I, had to, if I have to sum it up for every year, it, ha- it has to be interesting. Because I'll, I'll say to people that, you know, if you get a festival badge, what I want is, is that you might not love everything that you watch, but you'll at least understand why we played it. Or, you know me like while like, well, you might go well I like this one but maybe not so much this one and so on and so on but it, what I love is the what I is is what it's is the bar discussion movies what you don't want is a movie of the week that people will turn off and then kind of go you've got nothing to say about it and so I kind of like the idea of like after you know because we have a lot of great after parties at the fest I love the idea of the discussion of like well I like this I didn't like this or I like that too and then have that kind of passionate that passionate vibe to it so i think the main thing that we're looking for is that it's not not derivative that they have a voice um how that that's hard to quantify sometimes but it's like but it's like but we're always looking at and and sometimes you know honestly we'll play stuff that's maybe a little rough around the edges like but they're a filmmaker that we're kind of like this is someone to watch out for and it might be you know it might be kind of rough now but but it's it's some some great things are going to happen down the road Horror is great, too, when you get a whole
1: bunch of people together in a room. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? That's one of the few genres. Comedy is the same way, where, like, you want a lot of people in the room, and if if the film can provide that experience that you're Mm -hmm. talking about and provide some sort of spark, some
2: sort of thrill, some sort of chills... Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's a group experience, yeah. There's so many times where you're watching stuff, and it's like you're not even if you're able to watch it on netflix or at home or whatever kind of thing like that you are not going to get the experience of watching it with a group because it's like especially and you're right with mm-hmm. especially with the horror and anything that kind of the genre realm of it you're not going to get that kind of experience without without being around the people so you mentioned you're the founder how did you
1: get this uh, whole festival started how do you get this horror party started <laughs> a yeah story
2: well I, it really kind of goes back to i used to be a film writer um, and I used to write for a couple of outlets, but the main thing I guess I was known for for a while was writing for Fangoria. Mm-hmm. And I was really good friends with the editor at the time, Chris Alexander. And the last iteration of it before it got re- rebooted into what you see now, the Hand and Out
1: of the Grave. What the Hand Out of the Grave? Yeah, right? it is
2: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if people know this, but the the, the previous editor of Fangoria, Chris, was out of base of Oakville. So he, you know, he hired a few Canadian writers to to come on board. I knew him for years before that, and so. I was doing that, and then I got the opportunity to host my own movie night in the east end of, of Toronto. The uh, theater's not around anymore called The Projection Booth. And I did that for about a year. And so, well, it was just kind of a catch-all. Back then in 2011-12, there was genre screenings in the city, but there wasn't as much as there is now. Like, there was, like, the Toronto Underground was open at the time. At the time, the Review and the Royal and Fox weren't really... They were doing more second-run stuff. They weren't... And the Carlton. They were doing more second-run stuff or or, or, or more regular theatrical-run kind of stuff or other film festivals. But there wasn't really a lot of, like, themed genre horror nights, kind Mm -hmm. of thing like that, too. So... I had the opportunity to do that, and it did really well. We did. I actually can say take credit for doing the theatrical, the first theatrical screening of Battle Royale. Oh, nice! That's a good one. Yeah, and I managed. It it was. It was years. This is 2012. It never. But I found out from Anchor Bay that they had never. It never played theatrically in Toronto, so I managed to get that, and we packed the place. So that that kind of put me on the map. And then about six months later, I had a couple of film. Na- I, we played a few Canadian films once in a while, and they had done well. And I was kind of new to the Canadian indie scene; it was really fascinating. I'd been on set for a few films, and I played a couple at the at the at my Fright Nights event. And uh, and then I had suddenly, within a month, I had about six movies that were that didn't quite make the cut for Fantasia and Tron: After Dark. Now these were really good films, but they. But the thing is that when you're submitting it to an international film festival like Fantasia or After Dark, which they, you know they'll play maybe four or five Canadian features out of. In the case of Toronto Dark Twenty, um, and then you know, and then about that many for for uh, Fantasia, there's a lot of good stuff that gets on the cutting room floor that didn't have a Toronto premiere. So I decided to show them, and rather than roll them out like one at a time, because I had a whole bunch of them. I said, well, why don't I just do it as a weekend? So it was—it was a one-time. It was supposed to be like a one-time event, and my my initial thought was going to be Fright Nights, Blood in the Snow weekend. Blood in the Snow was the tagline of this Canadian-themed weekend, and one of the film, sense. yeah, one of the filmmakers I pitched this idea to that was going to give me one of their films, he suggested it was Gabriel Carrera who did the film in in, in the House of Flies, and he actually ended up creating our logo for Blood in the Snow. By the way, I should give him credit for that, and uh, we were... We were going to play his film along with a few other ones uh, for for our first year, and uh, and and he said, "Well, why not that sounds like a film festival? Why don't you call it Blood in the Snow Film Festival?" So it became Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival. So this was in September of of two thousand twelve. The festival was in the last week of November two thousand twelve. So this whole thing came together in eight weeks. <laughs> We didn't have we didn't have a programming team. We didn't have a staff. I had about five volunteers come out at the last minute. No one had assigned roles. Mm-hmm. It was chaotic, but we did really well. We had MTV come out. We had two two of the six screenings that we had, or were practically sold out, and the other ones were very well attended as well. So we kind of had a thing, and we're like, so we had a meeting, and that's in like when Jen was saying, Jen actually came out to our opening night screening. That's the first time we met. The well, first time we met was the very first screening of Blood in the Snow. Which so you're an OG. A, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> but it had obviously it had an impact on Jen, and um, by that same time the next year, she had joined the team, and we had moved it to the Carlton, which we stayed for three years we developed a programming team, we got put a staff together. Eventually we registered as a nonprofit. Like we did all the different all the things that you do to to actually get a proper festival. So in a strange way, it was really funny. I remember having the meeting in December of, of after the first like a month after the first festival. I I remember having the meeting and opening going, "Okay, so now that we've done year 1, how do we do this?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the money so we, we we actually had the great thing is we had year 1, a successful year 1 in the books before we even sat down to figure out how we're actually going to make a festival. We're still Some, trying to figure that part we'll out. We're still trying to figure that part out, but yeah, but it was, but it gave, it gave us a good kickstart to, to do that. Cause you know,
1: that kind of goes back to what you're saying about independent films. Sometimes mm. you don't actually realize what you don't know. Oh, so yeah. you just take the lens cap off and you start shooting and you're like, eh, we'll figure this out.
2: And I'm, you, know, you know what? And I'm glad it happened that way. Cause mm. I think I would have, I think if I had done too much research or thought about it too long, I probably would have hesitated <laughs> and, and did it. I don't regret it, yeah. but I'm glad I, sometimes ignorance is bliss mm-hmm. and sometimes you know and, and I think it sometimes is it's it's actually I'm actually envious sometimes <laughs> of first time filmmakers because they kind of have this wonderful ignorance about oh, how the industries work, so and so it's enthusiastic and it's great, and no, but I, <laughs> it's a good thing because I think you should be ignorant for the, your first film because, because it's like because then you'll just go do it. Mm-hmm. If any filmmaker actually knew how competitive it is and how hard it is to get into these festivals and how hard it is to get distribution and how hard it is, all of like that too, they probably wouldn't, most of them wouldn't do it. And this is after like putting all the blood, sweat and tears into making the movie. Mm-hmm.
1: So you're not even like oh, yeah. done at that point, right? No, Sprapping no.
2: It's about the halfway point. And this is where, um you know, this is why it's really important to Jen and I to really help. You know, like, because we look at the because most of the films we play, are, well, all the films are at least a Toronto premiere, um, very few exceptions, and then you know, there's sometimes a world and Canadian premiere. So this is they're their launching their film, and a lot of times they're local screenings for them, and 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 so we're doing a lot to try and help develop it so that it's it's a lot of times they'll play a couple of festivals and then they go, well, now what do we do? I've I've literally had emails from filmmakers, Joe yeah. Kelly. We had a great screening, ex, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, I don't know what to do now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of too, and that's something that's kind of like it's been.
0: So that's a big part of the reason why we launched uh, the industry stuff that we're doing, which this year we've rebranded to the Deadly Exposure industry market. Um, so part of that is bringing in you know distributors and funders and and the other industry folks that a, a first time or a new filmmaker would not have connections with. So we're able to like build that bridge between the filmmakers who have finished their films. They're like, oh, well, now what? Uh, we can kind of show them the door, like here, go talk to this person. Yeah. films. there's or, like a distribution yeah.
1: panel, like a tax credit panel, those things.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep.
0: So there's there's uh, several things that we're doing this year. Uh, there's a new event that we're adding, which is a power networking roundtable session. So it's really intensive, face to face meetings with some really great people. Uh, Telefilms taking part. Uh, XYZ Films is going to be there.
2: We just found out CBC is actually going to be there. i are nice. so, really yeah. excited yeah. about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, being able to introduce filmmakers to those kind of industry people, I mean, that helps them uh, mm-hmm. build their careers. It helps us because hopefully they'll go off and develop new things and bigger and better films, which is better content for us next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just all feeds into our mandate of, of promoting Canadian filmmakers.
2: And the, and the great thing is, too, and, the, and, the, and this is where it feeds back to the user experience for the filmmakers, is that I... I I really strongly believe that the, the pass holders, the, the the horror fan component of it, cause, you know, is that they I think they get a kick out of not just coming to our festival, but other festivals like ours. That um they they know they're going to see these films before anyone else, mm-hmm. and they're they're getting to see this stuff as at the beginning. I got to see I got to see it first, and the filmmakers there, so they get yeah. to meet them and have see, a drink at the bar afterwards. and A Q&A on stage, and they're seeing that kind of they're seeing that kind of thing at the beginning and. And it's very exciting, especially when I think when you hear a lot of like people get frustrated by horror remakes and sequels and things that are very derivative in the in the in the larger cinema. Although, I, I will say, I think we're going through like a real good renaissance of of, mm-hmm. interi- of original stuff. That was kind of more of what I would have said in this interview two, three years ago. <laughs> but actually, I should say the last little bit. Uh, but I think also, too, I think it's kind of one hand washes the other. I think because we have been doing such interesting stuff on the festival level, it's actually finally um seeping into what's going on in the hollywood realm
1: mm-hmm. so since you've been doing this since 2012 how have you seen like independent filmmaking it both the community and the skills kind of growing
0: it's exploding yeah, yeah. i mean I, I started when i started in 20 well like, the first time i was in there was 2012 but first i'm really working on it was 2013 um i mean that's only a couple of years but even i've seen like the explosion i mean the, the, the quality has always been really good but every year it keeps getting better and, you know, yeah, upping their games and the technology is getting better. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of friendly competition. and You know, who make, you know, I'm going to make the next film is going to even better, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And and I think because the the, the technology um, has gotten so advanced and, and every, everyone can. I mean, there's really no excuse not to make a movie now yep. because you have access. However, the bar has gotten so high mm-hmm. that you, there is I, I and I will. I try and personalize my emails to either rejection letters to filmmakers as much as I can, because one of the comments that I usually end up saying to filmmakers that don't get in is that I'll say to them, you need to, you need to do a better job on your post-production. Like I'll say, I'll just say you have bad sound. You need to, you need to, cause that's not, you're not, you're not criticizing them as they're art- artistically. You're kind of going, look, this is a technical thing here. Mm-hmm. If your sound is bad and your color, great. You haven't done a proper color grade. And I can tell, like we, I've, We've done this enough. We can watch this stuff and know exactly if they had a proper sound operator. Mm-hmm. If they've done color grading. They've done kind of done all that stuff properly. If they haven't done that properly, um, they're not getting in. Yeah. So that kind, of, that kind of cuts them off. That's definitely from a technical point of view. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to show something that's a little rough around the edges. We've done that, and there's clever ways— Of doing that, which again feeds into the genre, right? Sometimes horror can be a little bit more. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it does. I'm not saying don't. I shouldn't confuse that with it being slick. I'm just saying, as there's certain like a certain professional level. It's just the sheer fact that it's that competitive. You have to, uh, and there's and see, in the old days, for your listeners that might not understand what the difference we're talking about is, is that before the digital age, if you were there, would they would allow mistakes on film because you would print the film and you have one, you know, and if you printed it and there's a minor mistake they 're not going to go back and reshoot that scene, whereas if you have digital, either you can look on it on screen and and fix it right there on set mm-hmm. or uh, or you can go in and digitally change it, for example, even on an indie film like ours like we there was there was, uh, <laughs> there was scenes where you could see some of the gear in the background of the shot by accident, we were able to digitally take that out without much cost you know mm-hmm. like that so those things like that that would be unheard of, like we did our film for about thirty thousand dollars. To do that film, uh, you know, I would say five years earlier would have been three hundred thousand. Yep. Ten years earlier would have been three million, and so it's kind of like and so like I did uh, the interview. I did an interview once with the director of Ginger Snaps, and that was considered when they did the first Ginger Snaps. That was done for six million dollars. I don't know any Canadian horror film that's made for six million dollars now. That's considered big budget now. Back then, they were like when I did the interview. They were like, oh, this they. The, 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 to them, it was just you know uh, shoestring. They have no money at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we ever made it for six, six million. And he's telling me these numbers, and I'm like, yes. this is <laughs> massive. I don't know anyone who makes anything above 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. You make, like so, 20 movies for six oh, million I, dollars I, now. I, <laughs> we yeah. know filmmakers that have done literally done literally have done 10 movies for, for a million, million dollars yep. total, like all together. Yeah. So, and they look really good. So
1: I remember Kevin Smith talking about something similar like that. Mm-hmm. Like he he scraped everything together to do Clerks, and he was fine doing Clerks, mm-hmm. and it opened up a whole bunch of doors. And then when he started doing studio stuff like Mallrats and Chasing Amy, they would just give him this pile of money because they're studio pictures. (laughs) And he's like, I don't, what do we spend
2: it all on? Or Rodriguez had the same problem. He didn't know what, he didn't know what to do with it.
0: Oh, there's ways to spend that money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Always ways.
1: Well, yeah, he he found he, Kevin Smith was in the same interview. He said he eventually stopped being creative because it would be a problem. He's like, yeah, just throw 10 grand at it and Uh, it'll go away. Whereas the independent stuff was kind of forcing him to like figure it out. So it's, both well, it like is,
2: yeah, because yeah, because sometimes money is, is can, can be the enemy. You're right, because it can it can get if you can throw money at it. it, it if you don't have money, that's a I think that's what's probably the most dynamic thing about watching independent film is that it forces filmmakers to think creatively and to and to think smart because you're not going to have the resources to kind of go in. I always use the analogy of the yellow barrel thing for Jaws. <laughs> yeah, is that if Bruce and and you know the, of the name of the shark, right? Bruce ever works. That movie wouldn't even be remembered. Nay, Spielberg's career would never have been launched if the damn shark had worked. <laughs> but because it didn't work, the whole movie you're watching these yellow barrels getting chased around the whole thing, and that's and there's, it created all the suspense and mm. and whatnot, and it forced someone uh, uh, someone who had that genius spark inside him to do that, and 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 then. But then you compare it to say something later. He did like War of the World, War of the Worlds, which I think is a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree uh, with you. Yeah, and it was yeah. Like, we're on I, the same page. And no one remembers that movie because he had tons and tons of money, and all he had was all these, di- you know, Tom Cruise running around with all these digital explosions. And I and I remember watching that movie going. That's, that. There's there's the problem right there. He had too he had too much because the the studio for a movie called War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise they know they're gonna make money mm-hmm. so they're gonna give them they're not gonna they're not gonna put a cap on it the way would they would say with Lincoln or something like that they're gonna give him anything and anything he wants to to to, to make to do this and because of that I I think it, it, it the, 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 that particular film suffered
1: we saw mm-hmm. that with the George Lucas between like the, oh, the first yeah. three Star Wars yeah. and then the Phantom mm-hmm. Menace and all that crap that came after. <laughs> yeah. Which is like it was just too much technology, right? Like, yeah, too mu-
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a perfect example where he was where he was forced to come up with creative solutions to like he had to really really hone his, his filmmaking skills to you know to to, to cut around things and show because he wasn't able to quite show you know because for example I think the, even from the first star wars to return of the jedi you've got the canteen scene mm-hmm. and it's like the canteen scene he always complained about how bad the canteen scene was the original and so but what worked about it was everything was in shadow everything was in darkness kind of thing mm-hmm. like that and they didn't really kind of see you saw the creatures but you kind of didn't a lot of times and it worked better cuz you could not quite see anything and i'll take this back to 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 indie filmmaking here is like one of the thing, one of the, one, of the, one of the other mistakes i always see in indie films is don't show the monster oh my yes. god Oh, it's the biggest problem. I I see I see indie filmmakers that will do, will show it, and they you got to show it very fleetingly and like that too. But you never show the monster.
1: This is a, a tangent. We'll get to the festival. Back to the yeah, festival. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I was shocked because um they did a recent remake of Halloween. But I want to go back to the John Carpenter one, the 1978. And one of the things that shocked me, I hadn't seen this in, like, years. I'd seen it, like, way back in the day somewhere on, like, Late Night cable or whatever. But one of the things that shocked me was the opening credits already had that eerie theme song. Like, right off the bat, you drop that. Yep. And then Michael's just kind of wandering around <laughs> and Jamie, like, she's seeing him. And I'm like, whoa, you dropped all of that, like, within the first ten minutes? I was shocked that, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, Carpenter's Carpenter, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say anything. But I was just like, it's kind of, like, violates what you are just saying.
2: So. so what do you mean? What, 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 so I'm not clear what you're. What so you're I'm saying. just.
1: I was just shocked that he kind of like that all makes sense. Like don't show the creature, do the jaws thing, just do yellow barrels, mm, or whatever. Yeah. But Michael Myers was in the original Halloween, was just wandering around like Haddonfield saying, like hey guys, what's up,
2: right? Oh yeah. Yeah, and, but and, yeah, but here's the thing though. But there wasn't much violence in that film until the last 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you saw little things like that too. Jamie Lee Curtis, like her character, like Laurie Strode, didn't even know. This anything bad was happening to her until the last fifteen minutes of that movie. Mm-hmm. So she went through, she went through, you know, ninety percent of that movie, not even aware that she was even having a bad night. So mm-hmm. she
0: didn't see the monster.
2: Yeah, she didn't see the monster. So, <laughs> yeah. of, so that's the thing. there you so go. So that's the thing that so the audience did, but they really kind of held back. And I think and you know, but it's but that movie works so much better than say the original Halloween two mm-hmm. because. I I do like the idea that it leaves off where it left off but it becomes like a body count movie where it's just like there's no suspense like it's just like it's in the hospital and then boom 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 boom, all the way through and I find that way less interesting so I guess that's my way of looking at it but
1: that's fair that's valid so Blood in the Snow runs November 22 to November 27 Mm mm-hmm what can we expect now? You've got the scene. we got a lot of cool, independent Canadian horror films. What can we expect? What are some recommendations? What do you got? Give me something oh, good. I like
0: all of them. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about our closing film, Level 16, by um, Esther Esterhazy. Yeah,
1: it's so the one with the yeah. like the kind of girls, like a training school for girls or something? Yeah,
0: so it's like um, these girls are kind of in an orphanage, and every, every year they go up. Uh, so, like, when they're 8 years old, they're at Level 8. When they're 9 years old, they're at Level 9. And all they know is that they're... Being groomed for something, and they're going to be adopted out to a family. Um, that's not what actually happens. So, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so, when they get to level sixteen, that's like their graduation day, and you know all mm-hmm. this. They find out exactly what they're being groomed for, and then they have to escape. And mm-hmm. It's all very exciting, but uh,
2: it's very and it's, and it's very current, very topical. Like that too. Obviously, the shades of Hammy's Tail in it, mm-hmm. but it goes in a completely different direction as well. And it has a, it's a great. There's a lot of great commentary about. Frankly, I think about the Trump era and, com- and su- consumerism and, and feminism. Whatnot. feminism and yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's all there. It it, 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 check, it checks so many boxes. It's incredible. And um, she's just a
0: brilliant filmmaker.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's what yeah. good horror yeah. does, though. Yeah, it does. Ooh, yeah. yeah Right? Yeah. Like, but again, that's another yeah.
0: film that doesn't have a whole lot of violence in it. It's kind of all psychological.
2: Yeah, very psychological. Actually, I will say that's the one theme that I've noticed through this year is that it's probably the least violent... Of all this, of all the fears that we had, mm. um, it's just—I think that's just kind of where filmmakers are tending to go. They're bit going a bit more psychological mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff. Well, so there's
0: enough violence in real life, right now. I yeah. think they're kind of steering <laughs> yeah. clear of it.
2: I think yeah, because a lot of the films are a lot more like on the spooky. I mean, we have we have that side too, but
0: no, Alive is very—if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, alive yeah, is Alive thing to
2: go is to. yeah, definitely like that too. But there's definitely a lot more. What's Alive about? Mm. Give me the uh, the elevator pitch. Elevators, that one's, you know what? That's the one that's uh, hardest to describe because I don't, because um, it's probably got the most brilliant uh, twist ending. Oh, my God, that twist any, ending. It's, we're talking Sixth Sense level. Oh, of, yeah. oh like, yeah. You don't see it coming. but when they, see it coming. When they not. drop
0: it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what's yeah. going on. Two
2: people wake up. They have no memory, and they wake up into this, this wannabe doctor's uh, dungeon and they're all they're all chopped up and all like and he's been doing all these experiments mm-hmm. on them and th- and they spend the next 90, 90 minutes trying to figure out who they are and how they got there and that's all I'm going to say about it. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> because if I say anything else I'm going to give it away and yes. I don't want to ruin it for anyone because it's 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 a mind-blower oh, of yeah. like of how you how, what they did that. And the filmmaker who did that um Rob Grant. Rob Grant. Yeah, he did a film uh one more one more interesting films that we played last year called Fake Blood. And Fake Blood was this uh was this fake documentary of about filmmakers about how like uh, about about like these people that are like kind of like stalking them and, they, and and what's what's real and what's not. So, it, but completely different angles. So this is a real, um, that that film's a real, that's a real game changer for them as well. Oh
0: yeah, plus it's from the uh, producers of Knuckleball as well.
2: Oh, okay, so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of real fun. high quality yeah. stuff come out of that group. The other one that we're really excited about is Montreal Dead End. Yes. That's an anthology. Yeah, it's an anthology. 18 filmmakers, I think 15 segments. Um, and what's real, and it's incredible. They, they did this for almost no budget. And I think everyone just kind of kicked in and it's a bit, the anthology thing is a bit more like an ABCs of death because there's some, because there's so many segments in it. So a lot of the segments are only like three, four minutes long, but somehow the, the team that put that, they managed to put it together in such a cohesive way. Mm -hmm. It's actually, it's shocking that it was not like they were able to piece it together like this. And what's neat is they, it all takes place over one evening and one day in Montreal and each of the segments are named by a different area of the city. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, that Neighborhood too. gets real spooky. Yeah, they have real spooky. So they, they pretty much have all of of the main Montreal land, uh, island like represented, and it kind of like and it just jumps around the city and it shows like that neighborhood and this neighborhood, and this neighborhood, and they just do their own little take on it. And you know the, the tricky part about anthology films is that you know how it is—you'll get one good one and then a bad one, a good one it's one of the most consistently good anthology films I've seen in a long time I, I would say it's probably the best anthology film I've seen since Trick or Treat nice yeah, alright
1: pressure's, yeah, yep. pressure's on and
2: another thing another hallmark of the festival is
1: you guys also play a lot of shorts as well yes we love yeah. our shorts yeah. so uh, what's going on with the shorts can you give me a breakdown or recommendations or anything Or well
2: you? well, this you know, it's funny this year we we, <laughs> we thought we were making ourselves our lives easier by creating a second shorts program <laughs> this year because normally we have one and we decided to boost it to two, and even even the ones that didn't make the cut like that, we we, we I thought we thought it was going to make our lives easier, about like because there was a lot of films last year that we turned down that I had to do the email of look we wanted to play it we just simply didn't have space. That still happened this year. That's yeah. kind of like that too. So so we've added yeah. So we're doing two shorts programs, but um one on our 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 tradition is those to have ours in... we do. Ours a little differently. And most shorts programs are put in the afternoon time slot. Nothing wrong with that, but we've we've always made a point of ever since year two, we've always put it in uh, in our prime time slot, and usually Saturday at seven p.m., which we're doing again, and to and and, and to have it there because we we feel like it should shouldn't. Uh, I think it deserves a, you know a really it, the quality is so good. I think it des- des- deserves a prime time slot. So we're doing that, but then we've added a second program, uh, our sh- a second showcase program on Sunday night at nine thirty. And we're adding that as well. So um I don't know what else to say about it other than I just like it's really I'd
0: like to jump in about one of the shorts that yeah, I'm super ahead. excited about. Um so there's a group of kids from the oh, yes, uh yes. the Kate Wee school in Yellowknife. Oh. They're like elementary to like maybe mid high school students, so like maybe like ten years old to, yeah, like grade nine. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, out of out of Yellowknife that put together this brilliant little short film uh called Frostbite. Uh, which is about, like, it's, it's kind of like a public service announcement to other kids about keeping yourself covered up in the cold so you don't get frostbite. Uh, but this project was put together almost entirely by the students, and uh, it's just so brilliantly done. Yeah,
2: and so they did and they, and they did it so that there's like this little creature called the frostbite monster that will get you oh. if you. That's cool. It's a little five minute short that they did. Mm-hmm. That. And, and we just found out the other day that two of the filmmakers of that and their principal are going to fly down. Wow. that's so cool. From, that's what I mean. We oh, more, when yeah. I say we have filmmakers come from all across Canada, mm-hmm. we mean everywhere. Oh, yeah. We're getting that so that we were jumping up and down when we heard this. We we're so mm-hmm. we're we are so we can't wait for them to to show up. Kind of like that too, because it's a because also too is I mean a good chunk of the class is indigenous, and we're that's one thing that we've been looking really harder at the last couple of years is trying to have that those kinds of voices. Mm-hmm. um shown at our festival and so to have to kind of have them come down and hopefully we can inspire them so like that I'm, I, I'm on a personal level that's uh, mm-hmm. like on a, almost like a social justice kind of level i'm just mm-hmm. really plus i want to that. see
0: those stories i mean that it's kind of largely untapped um with like horror genre mm-hmm. and the indigenous uh the indigenous stories um but they're starting to come through. Like it's it's mm-hmm. we're starting to see more of it happening, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just really excited of where that's going to take the whole industry.
2: We and we have to give credit to uh, another festival called Dead North yes. that actually that in uh, I think one other film as well, uh, no two other films two other films that we're playing mm-hmm. um, that um, that came from we, we t- partnered up with them. There they have like a, a film uh, a festival. but It's a little differently. What they do is they have all the film. Anyone who makes a film gets shown over a couple of days, and the idea is is that. I gets them out of the house in the winter when it's dead when it's dead of yeah, night six months of night six months of night and they'll yeah. get out and actually go do a film project hmm. so they'll show everyone's over a couple of days and uh and so i got i got in touch with them and i said can you know can you send down some get them to submit some of this stuff down and we ended up picking three of them this year well done and yeah and so like that too so it was really kind of like and so it opened up and so you wouldn't even think like you know like all these great films from the territories are getting made and they're like and there was like dozens to pick from it was incredible I couldn't believe like how many you would never you would never know like uh, that 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 shows you how diverse Canada is and how much different things you know we, we do get you know, as a film community, we tend to get a little siloed, where it's either Toronto, Montreal, or Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And, th- and the reality is that's about probably about eighty percent of of the film mm-hmm. business comes from. The and that's where
1: from. a lot of our film instra- infrastructure is. It too. is. It yes. is.
2: No, in all in all reality, I mean that's the, that's the, uh, that you know that's where pe- that's where you have the best crews. I mean, this is where Hollywood North is. Oh,
0: it's spreading, I, I think it's, the, it's moving though. east yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And there's also like related to that. There was another one that stood out to me: altered skin. Yes. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um. That takes place in Pakistan. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It
0: was filmed in Pakistan, film, uh, Pakistan. by a filmmaker who's based here in Toronto. Yeah.
2: That we we kind of ex- that was one of the things that we did on the last couple of years, and and where it, it created an opportunity that we can play a film like this because we tended to be a little more rigid about what was a Canadian film a few years ago, and um, and we opened up. We 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 loosen up the regulations because we just wanted to have a little bit more flexibility of what we can, and cause in this, and that's and then we and we're noticing there was a lot more co-productions going on, a mm-hmm. lot of filmmakers we know were working abroad, uh, we because we played two films last year that weren't even Canadian directors they but they shot their film here, use a Canadian cast and crew and money here, and then this year so this was a Toronto based, like Jen was saying a Toronto based uh, producer director. All the post-production was done here on the music but it was all done in pakistan mm-hmm. and and also that's one thing and what's really great about too just as a side is it kind of goes back to what we we're saying before about the diversity aspect we actually have a diversity panel this year and we're trying to um, not only help help with gender power but we're also trying to have a lot more people of color being shown on screen and mm-hmm. and there's a bit of a tendency to have kind of a whites only thing with with casting and and so by even having a film that's shot in pakistan and having and predominantly uh, Pakistani cast and crew cast and crew on it, you know, we felt like that would really because ha- it had because it basically it's a zombie film, but having that kind of angle of it, kind mm-hmm. of thing like that was was really interesting. Yeah. Is that a genre thing
1: too, as well? I mean, a lot of white people die in horror films more yeah. than like yeah. Um, I mean, all we've recently had like Get Out and things like that are yeah. starting to shift a little bit. I think bit, we've
0: but we've had a little bit of um, I don't say systemic issues, but maybe doors haven't been opened enough for other um other people of the demographics uh and that's part of what we're really like we're really aiming to do that uh with with bits mm-hmm. um because canada is made up of you know people come from all over the world here so we really like to say that only only white people like horror films i think is completely ridiculous yeah and i think you know film successive films like get out proves that there is a market for all this stuff so we mm. want our festival to reflect the rest of canada
1: mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. we've, you and I have talked, Jen, you and I have talked to this a couple of times yeah. about the whole thing of like people are surprised that girls like horror movies, oh too. Oh, well, yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh yeah. I can like.
0: It's fully 50-50 in terms of our audience.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, no it's not. It's not uh, the, the idea that our audience is like a, a white boys club that's coming, uh, no. it's not true. Mm-hmm. And we try and reflect that in, you know, we're, we're working at even improving it better than it is. I want to say like we've got it better than okay. anyone else, but we definitely have room for improvement on that. But having said that, we do we, we do have a, you know, um, I think we have a fairly um, diverse, especially with gender, uh, diverse team. Like two-thirds of our board of directors are women. Uh, over half our staff, half our volunteers are women, mm-hmm. half our programming team is women. So we've had kind of that, too. Uh, I think we need to work a little bit more on getting, you know, uh, more people of color on the team, uh, that, too. But um, Carolyn Morissette, who our, our programmer... She's uh, wonderful. But wonderful. Yeah, she's a nice lady. Yeah, she's fantastic, and she's been she's been a really strong advocate for for doing this. And she's the one hosting, putting together this diversity. In fact, she came to me actually when we were getting submissions and kind of saying to me like, you know, there's I'm really getting frustrated about like because there's still a lot of just the same old, same old on on screen. Mm-hmm and i and i'm and i'm a very much a doer i'm am I'm, I'm a problem solver i'm like well let's and i'm say well let's do something about it let's do a diversity committee let's have a panel let's do something about like that well mm-hmm. like i it, i'm am a very uh, my attitude in life is be the change mm-hmm. that you want to be and especially being a white male myself kind of mm-hmm. say a white straight male is like i i'm in a position of being an ally and an advocate and kind of and so it's kind of like so i I'm, I'm in that i'm in a position of power and so is i have a, i have a social responsibility to to do that and 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 kind of and be that. And the great thing about bringing it back to the to the horror thing is, is the genre thing is that is the great thing about it is that our festival cuz we're getting a little kind of you know social conscious and political, but really, I mean, we're really a fun festival and the great thing about this is that we're we're showing we're showing films that are like fun fun to watch and so we're doing we're we're kind of making the change without like we're spoon like same with supporting canadian content like we we don't hide obviously yeah. that we're canadian we're actually in fact we make jokes about it we, we we embrace it but we never make it look like you're you're taking your medicine mm-hmm. like that it's makes sense, that yeah. we always make it like it's 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 always about having having a good time mm-hmm. and the genre stuff is about having a good time yeah
0: and just jumping back to um about the uh, diversity in the horror um this is a big part of why we want to do the industry stuff because i mean it's one thing to i mean you probably heard the stories about J- uh, Jason Bloom there a couple weeks ago about how they've never hired a woman director. Yeah, he got And in his, his answer was, oh, well, there just aren't enough. Oh. And, like, maybe numerically that's true, but that's not good enough. Like, for us, it's, you know, okay, so I there's could, not enough women, there's not enough color, people of color in, in the I can name
2: you, I could name you six directors, female directors that have played our festival. Our festival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that. and we're not even the biggest fish by any stretch that could easily go in and handle one of his budgets tomorrow yeah, but tomorrow. i mean our,
0: our goal is is yeah. we can't just sit back and say oh they just don't exist we have to create that opportunity for them yeah. so you know we're we're connecting those filmmakers that you distributors you should know about these people yeah that's kind of we where we see our our role sitting yeah. in all of this
2: yeah it's kind of because we're not really gatekeepers but we're also but we're at the uh, but we're we're like the doorman you know what i mean like we're kind of like <laughs> you're like a, we're kind of like kind of we're the valet you know we can kind of like direct them in the right way kind of thing like that it's like that yeah the it's neon sign what you're the neon yeah sign. yeah we're, we're, we're kind of like we're yeah i would say matchmaker i think matchmaker yeah. is probably a good way it's like oh you should meet this person you should meet this person yep. and we've been doing that kind of more in it we've had industry stuff from since year two mm-hmm. but i think we've been doing it a bit more informally especially with our cocktail stuff and our after parties because our anyone's been to her fest or after parties are pretty infamous so. Oh, they're <laughs> they're fun yeah but i think it's also important to kind of hand the business cards and do the talk when we're a bit more sober <laughs> during yes. the day Is just yeah. like and then and then you go home with a pocket full of business cards and don't remember who you talk to <laughs> 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 it's kind of good to um um there's a yeah. pro tip for you there what
1: that's a pro tip for the yep. for yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 i i want to pick up on a thread you were just saying kelly what ends up happening sometimes you'll see like, a really cool film advertised in a film festival like this. And you're like, oh, I want to get to it, but you can't make it to the screening or something. Mm-hmm. Hap- and then so you sometimes have a hard time finding that film afterwards. Mm-hmm. How is distribution now? Is it getting better? Is it improving now that we have more Netflix and streaming services? Or is it uh, more difficult still? for? We're,
2: we're, we're, it's better than it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely light at the end of the t- tunnel. The problem, it, it was very, I have to admit, it was very bleak probably about two, three years yeah. ago. Where we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel is, and this is one thing that we've added this year is our web series program, is that the 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 light at the end of the, tel, at, at the, end of the tunnel is is television, and it is um and so we're seeing a lot more web series being funded, we're being we're seeing a lot more television shows being because honestly the more interesting stuff that we're when most people are talking about the stuff that getting them excited now are are the things that are on on uh you know shutter uh crave netflix amazon prime
0: cbc's uh, got a great web stuff now yeah
2: yeah they're going to that which by, by the way they will be at our festival so i'm excited <laughs> with that i'll keep saying that um but that's why i'm excited about because it's like because that because now we're actually kind of seeing like where this can go and and i think what you're going to see is a lot less you're not going to see a lot of the, uh, theatrical for independent films in the future, I think festivals are going to be the theatrical. We're going to be you'll you'll see them play You're going to see them play a number of festivals, and then it will be going to uh, a digital provider that is isn't kin to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So when so what you'll see is is that you'll see I don't so I don't think you're going to see people um, not going to the cinema. I think they're just going to they're going to be more they're just more selective, and they're going to and it goes back to what you're originally saying too about you know but wanting to see it as a group experience because it's like because what what we can do is 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 create that kind of buzz and and user experience to have have it together but then you can go back and and if yeah if you did miss it you can watch it on a digital platform and not everyone can make it or if they're not in you know in Toronto or something like that they can but at least they'll they'll hear about it they might hear about it playing Blood in the Snow or one of these other festivals like ours and then be able to go check it out. Yeah. afterwards. So I think that's kind of where it's kind of where it's kind of going, because um, even like a couple of the films that we're that we're playing are, are both Super Grid or our opening film in Level Sixteen. Um, I believe are doing. Uh, they're both theatrical. Yeah, they're both theatrical, yeah. and then they're going to be going to a VOD right right after that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I, mean, I want to say it's g- not like you can't do theatrical. It's just like it's just it's, it. it's getting less and less and less of it. I mean, we have to be just honest with what, what where things are going. And there's and there's less there's just less theaters to to have that. Uh, less there's you know the more monopolies by certain chains that are that are making it harder and harder to to show independent film.
1: Yeah, cuz the flip side of that coin is like yeah. with social media and stuff now, mm-hmm. you'll see something playing in like in Austin, Texas or something at another film festival. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like that movie sounds so cool or you yeah. see the trailer online, I'm like, "What well, can I see this? I want to like I want to support the dude or the dude mm-hmm. or whoever made yeah. that like." Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm like I'm in yeah. Yeah. right, and then it just like it doesn't travel all the way out here because it's all the way out west. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of frustrating sometimes.
0: Well, I mean think I think finally the the business model is starting to exist for distributors again. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I mean, when when Walmart stopped stocking DVDs and theatricals dying, they were kind of yeah. like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? Uh, but now it's the the online stuff has really got a business model. So I I mean I think we're starting to see more mm-hmm. more stuff has has a home now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like one of our one of our producing partners. Um, our examine uh, we we've produced with, and she's very involved in the web series community, and she's hosting our web panel. And she kept telling Jen and I to do a web series or get involved. And we just looked at her and went, through. "This is like three four years ago." We're like, "There's no business model. You're going <laughs> to do like one series and then nothing." And th- it's true at the time there wasn't. There's like, and now we're kind of looking around, going, out that we're gonna "That's do where that. the
0: action is now." That's
2: really where the action is now. is really kind of like those kinds of those those kinds of limited series mm-hmm. is where I think you're going to see you're going to hear the term limited series a lot more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where it's not, you're not getting like a full thing.
0: Look, maybe a six episode or ten episode. Yeah, yeah, something kind of like that. Thing. Too. A,
2: a contained thing, and then kind of see how that goes and like that too. And you're going to see a lot more. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more commitment to that. And I think that. And then because of those digital platforms, is going to make it a lot easier for people, like you said, can't make it out to Fantastic Fest to see the film, but they, but they heard about it. Yeah, right. They heard about it. Yeah, and then that's kind of like, and that's kind of where I think that's where where we come in is we become part of that marketing tool because I think one thing that we still have to sometimes fight with with distributors and filmmakers is that they worry sometimes about playing a film festival It's going to take away from the theatrical and they have to understand that the theatrical is part of their marketing the mark, the money you don't make money in theatrical you haven't yet th- there's been no money in theatrical for decades but it's like it's like but it's even more so now it's like whatever you're whatever you're putting into the theatrical you're going to lose money in the front end and hopefully that's gonna help create buzz for the back end for when you're when you're putting that out there but like what Jen was saying was like the business model before was the physical media stuff is like the, you what happens is you could sell a certain amount that was gonna be in Walmart and things like that that would at least get the bottom like you know the bottom line out out something like that
1: and we've seen too with horror films some sometimes it takes a while for them to find an audience Mm -hmm. right they're like little hidden gems and then it takes a while for the people to kind of come around and are like oh this was a really good movie Mm -hmm. this is
0: why i'm a huge fan of the platform shutter uh which if anybody is not doesn't know what it is it's basically netflix for horror films so Mm -hmm. you can kind of go on there and peruse and they've got a whole section there on canadian horror if you want to check it out
2: yeah yeah i know it's it's yeah. definitely that i think those kinds of platforms are definitely where mm-hmm. where i think where they're where things are going and 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 it's funny though but at the same time though it's like it it's only one part of the equation because mm-hmm. it's like because back to like what we do is like it will never replace what we do as a festival because you because we're much like um we're like vinyl or even in and, in and, and, and things and, or even like because actually, I should be clarified too. DVDs haven't gone away; it's just oh become no. more of a niche market. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing we ever we di- actually, and we actually, I, sh- I should dies. mention. Yeah. And actually, we just announced we just uh, we just announced it today um, for pre sales. We are we have a new DVD that just came out called Bloody Bits Volume Two. It's our second release with Black Fawn Distribution, and we took ten of our shorts that we played the festival and we put on a DVD. And the DVD, the first one, sold very well. Mm-hmm. And also going back to our film Late Night Double Feature, we did better on Blu-ray. Than we did on any of the VOD mm-hmm. platforms. So people do want the it, it. It's just more of a niche market.
0: And horror fans really love the d- horror the fans love media. that. When
2: we go to conventions, it's all about the physical. Everyone yeah. loves DVDs and Blu-rays. Just oh, go. And VHS is back. VHS, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, uh, that, yeah. But it
1: feeds into the classic horror tradition of the poster too, right? Yeah. You want the those images and stuff, and that's another like. Iconic element of well, art,
2: and, and even at our festival That's one thing that we do That I don't know Anyone who does this Some of our after parties Is at a local gallery Called the Super Wonder Gallery And we start When we started Doing this last year And we're going to do it again This year Is we actually have A poster show Of all of the posters That are playing our festival So if you come on The Friday and Saturday night For our festival You'll be able to that's like where our after party is you'll get to see that because that is a part of the festival yep. that people don't neglect it we need we have a, we have an award for best poster and we and we want to put them in a display and show all the hard work that's been put into these into, into these great works of art mm-hmm. and and it's part of it's part of the process of, of making movies is doing that kind of thing.
1: so zooming out of uh canadian horror and just looking at horror as a genre itself and you mentioned like you seem to be expecting or hoping that we're going to be getting a lot more horror because we've been getting a lot of those yes. like five to ten million movies, like Lights Out, um, it follows those ones, oh, Bye yeah. Bye Men, right? Mm-hmm. And that five to ten, fifteen, twenty million genres mm. range. So, are we going to be expecting a lot more of those, you think, as I think so. uh, Trump and all that anxiousness kind of
2: raises? Oh, yeah, no, it's bigger, it's bigger than ever.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's research behind this, but when when the world is kind of really scary in real life people tend to move towards entertainment and they move towards horror films because it's kind of a cathartic way to experience those emotions in a safe space Mm -hmm. so especially when you're in a theater full of your friends and you're like oh there's you know a killer coming around the corner you're like in your brain you're like oh my god maybe that's that's like a metaphor for trump and then we're gonna kill the bad guy you know like so you can work out a lot of those um Mm. a lot of those anxieties
2: horror films did not exist really I mean, there, you could say that was sort of did with silent era, but really horror films didn't really come into its own until the Depression era, and that's when the Universal horror movies came out and like that too. And that's really when it when when that got started. If you were re, re, really look at the birth of horror, as it, it, like that too, and you can almost look at every single major benchmark of we've had in horror. Then the next major benchmark you could probably say it was Night of the Living Dead, and yep. all, and all the and look at what's going on with 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 civil rights with that. Movie and kind of that too, and Rosemary's Baby about you know, woman's body rights and whatnot, and and whatnot, and and people questioning the church and things like that with the exor- exorcism, exorcist. I mean, there's so many things you can just point to as you go along in the time like that. It's kind of gone away now, but there's no to me, there's no there's no um, there's a complete parallel. There's it's not a coincidence that the whole era of torture porn. Came on when G- when Tom and Obey yeah. was really in the news about kind of like that too about about what that too like that too, all the hostile and, and saw movies and stuff like yeah, that, that was I can't all can't do that genre but uh, yeah, yeah but yeah. It, but but I no know. but well, no but it no but it was a reflection of the, Correct, that yeah. was on the social consciousness mm-hmm. of people in society mm-hmm. when that was going on that was what was going on in in the two thousands that's that was what was on people's minds. Last question. That's probably the most important one I've asked you. We'll start with you, Jen
1: could you guys survive a horror movie?
0: I don't know.
1: You're a tough broad, Jen.
2: I think you could pull it off, though. I mean,
0: I do have the uh, the It Follows soundtrack on my workout tape, so Mm. maybe. Maybe. I'm working on it.
2: All right. (laughs) I think I'd be the horror film. Oh, (laughs) that's probably true. I'm just like, I I watch The Shining, and I'm like, I see Jack trying to work, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm when you see me typing, I'm just kind of like, <laughs> like this. Like, I'll go get
0: my baseball bat.
2: I'm just like, yeah, just, just <laughs> like when I see you typing or not typing. I'm just like, it's like that too. I'm trying to work. <laughs> I'm like that too. And I just, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of like, I kind of relate to that a little bit. I shouldn't say that, but I do. It's out there now. <laughs> it's, it's out there now. It's out it's there, out there forever. It's out there, yeah, forever. Out there, yeah.
1: So all the details are at bloodinthesnow.ca. Yep. That's right. And uh, deadly exposure passes are 65% sold out oh we're more more, more than that now more yeah. than that now oh man they're going fast so yep. get on that and it blood and snow runs november 22 to november 27 it's all at the royal cinema yep. thank you guys for coming in thank and you. talking yeah. horror and providing the festival too yeah. so i will see you there well, thanks for having uh, us yeah uh, this is fun so thank you all right, all, right. Thanks. all right my name is sammy you can follow me on the twitter at my pal sammy this has been my summer lair